what's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, which is home base for me. By way of introduction, I am a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose, organizational logotherapist, inspirational speaker, social scientist, and author. You can learn more about me and how we can work together at EliseCortez.com and Gusto-Now.com. Let me thank my partner and sponsor, Work Proud. We are a perfect collaboration. Everyone wants to know they matter and that the work they do is meaningful and appreciated. Work Proud is a mobile platform built to encourage employees to share stories and recognize each other's contributions, actions which increase meaning and fulfillment at work. Work Proud empowers HR and business leaders to create company cultures where all employees are inspired to feel proud of their work and proud of their company. Check them out at workproud.com. With us today is B. Bocalandro, president of VeraWorks, a global consulting firm specializing in workplace purpose. She's the author of Do Good at Work, How Simple Acts of Social Purpose Drive Success and Well-Being. We'll be talking about the motivational importance of social purpose at work, job purposing, and some methods of job purposing which can make any job more meaningful. She joins us today from San Clemente, California. B. welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you, Elise. Um, I'm so happy to be here. Your, your show is so insightful. I just hope I can keep up with all the insights of your prior guests and yours. Oh, you're so lovely to say that. I remember fondly when, when I, I got the email from you and you'd said that you'd heard a couple episodes, including the one that we did with Aaron Hurst. And I think, by the way, we were at the same conference in 2019. We were. We were in the same space. But for those of you that are watching, let me hold up the beautiful book that she wrote. It's called Do Good at Work. Here it is. It's just beautiful. And I loved reading it. And we're going to dive right into it. Um, I think it would be really fun, B, to start the conversation the same way that you did the book, which I just thought was so endearing. And it was the way that you talk about the advice that you got from your father, who, of course, you affectionately refer to as Poppy. Um, And you say Poppy's words of advice were, um, and and that went along with his early work experience and his career were to listen beyond the clamor of your wants for the whisper of the world's needs. There it is on the coffee cup she's holding up. Ah, so great. The reason it's on the coffee cup is because early readers like wanted the swag. They were like, Bobby (laughs) stole the show. I know (laughs) the book is about like allegedly, you know, somewhat about you and about all these concepts, but he stole the show. So could I have like a mug or a T-shirt with his quote? So um Yes. Um, yeah, my, my father was a, um, he was a complicated human like most of us. Uh, mm-hmm. But, and, and, you know, this is a sign of hope because he was the happiest workaholic you could imagine. He loved work. Yes. Uh, we would sit down, he would eat much later than us because he worked he worked late and he'd be back at like 10 p.m. And he would always have the same dinner. It was a T-bone steak with a gin and tonic. 
and <laughs> that's living living nicely. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and w my siblings and I would sit around the table and like you know just have our chins on our hands and go, Bobby, tell us war stories." Like they were just because, and it wasn't. He would be telling us about a meeting sometimes, like things that we would ordinarily think are not that exciting, but the way he told it and the way he lived work, like the way he embodied work was riveting. Mm -hmm. And it's because he, I mean, it, it, in large part, uh, it's because he embodied this quote that he saw work as an opportunity to, to look beyond our own selves and, you know, all that chatter in our heads, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I got a promotion or wouldn't it be great if I own this, like all, all that chatter. And or even the chatter of like, I don't feel very secure in this meeting, you know, to just go beyond all, all that chatter in our heads to 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 the realm of like, what can I do for the world? And he did that often. And the book starts with an example of him sharing with me i'm i'm very young i'm five or six years old that he he was a transportation engineer and so he was designing all these roads and these you know ramps that to get traffic to where it's supposed to go in a very narrow strip of land near the caracas airport i i, I was born in venezuela to venezuelan parents i so this is all happening in venezuela and as he's designing this he thinks Hey, there are there's a slum on the side of the of the mountain, and what if we gave them beach access because they didn't really have beach access? I mean, they had to risk their lives to get beach access. So he puts a pedestrian bridge in to go to the beach, and it's it's the part of the whole blueprint that he's proudest of, and he's he's just relishing telling me this story about how these families who can see the blue water from where they live haven't been able to you know dip their toes in it and so uh you know and and this is the practice that the book talks about which i dubbed job purposing and which he routinely applied Mm -hmm. That is such a, you see why I wanted to open the conversation with that, because it's so promising, right? That he gets to give all these people beach access. I was just talking to a friend who was saying, you know, you, when you grow up in, in, in neighborhoods that don't have a pool or anything like that, or you don't learn how to swim. So your, your father also probably allowed wow. a lot of people to learn how to swim early on in life when they probably would never have. So that's amazing. That's a great point. Right? It's a great point. How many lives he saved, too, in addition to giving them access to um, recreation. So I love starting with that. And that's why I wanted to do that, because that represents the possibility that we all have to look beyond our immediate jobs for another way to make a difference in the world, which brings me to the next piece that I wanted to speak about because one of the reasons I am so grateful you came into my life because we really are two peas in a pod, right? We care about the world of work and work being fulfilling. Um, and I, I love what you say here in your book. You say, quote, if our daily labor meaningfully contributed to others or to societal causes had what is known as social purpose, the world would certainly be more just, kind, and pristine, just like we're talking about. That's the promise we're talking about here. Yes. And you know, most of there's over a hundred examples of job purposing in the book and most are small. Yeah. E even smaller than my dad's, you know, some are just being kind and 
things that people with very little authority can do. And it's, it's really easy to be, to be skeptical, right? Like how much good is this going to do? Right. And we know that uh, over 90% of Americans uh, believe that the world is not getting better, that all these things that nonprofits are doing and government is doing and, and uh, you know, volunteers with their, you know, heart in their hands uh, do day in and day out to improve the, the human condition, to elevate, you know, it's where, where we are, where we're going to eliminate these stubborn problems don't work. We think the world is getting worse. And by the way, the, the numbers are uh, about the same globally. And what's interesting is that that is patently incorrect. There's a, a, a great book uh, called Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker at Harvard. Mm-hmm. And he goes through all of human, you know, all of our struggles, everything from health to environment and I know that one sounds surprising, uh, to uh, violence, every single human issue you can you can think of, at least I couldn't think of any, the whole book is dedicated to this. And he looks at the history of it, however much history there, there is, usually hundreds of years, and always hundreds of years, sometimes even thousands of years, we have relatively decent data. And on every single one, every chapter, it's the same conclusion. Like there is no question that the trajectory is upwards on every single one of those. Now, that's not to say that there aren't periods of time sometimes. And I think this is important to say right now because of what we're living through. But there there are periods of time, sometimes two years at a time, sometimes 10 years at a time where things slide backwards but they're dips in in an upward trajectory. So the point is these things that we are doing, they're working. And if we could do more of them in the place in the, where we spend the majority of our waking hours, which is work, the planet would look different because that that's a place that we have, we've been hesitant to, to, to go beyond our jobs and to, you know, to do what my dad did. And like, no one, you know, he didn't really have permission to do that. He was an engineer. <laughs> he, just there, yeah. he just snuck it in there. And it usually goes well when people modify their jobs to do good. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I really believe that quote, the one you read, I, I think that if enough people use their jobs as a platform to do more good in whatever way they can, I do think the planet would be unrecognizably different. And, you know, one other point, Elise, which relates to your book, which, you know, I think it's fantastic, is that, you know, my book is, it's, it's, it's meant to be accessible to basically anybody, anybody who's willing to read or listen to a book. And it's, it's, a, it's a step in a direction. But what I hope it does is pivot people toward a a deeper reflection on what it is that they do at work and why they're doing it. And then, you know, another way that things could be unrecognizably different is that, you know, there'll be more people, if, if more people job purpose, it, 
it sends you in a different direction. You're, you're looking at the world with a different lens, with a different right. mindset. And that you might end up doing logotherapy. You might end up doing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like it's, exactly. And so it, it can lead to much deeper work. And I've seen this happen mm-hmm. where it does lead to much deeper work. Well, and that is definitely the work that I'm up to, too, as well, B. That's why I think I connect so, so strongly with you, because I am out definitely to invite more people on that path. Join us looking for a bigger, bigger ripple, a bigger wave, because, yeah, I'm out to help raise the awareness of, of the universe so that we can really help co-evolve the planet that we're living on. Yes, absolutely. And to that end, what I think is great is you in your book, give us a really tremendous foundation that this has already been in place for uh, with us for years. This is just so great. Get this, listeners and viewers. This is so gorgeous. She says, I quote, anthropologists now know that prehistoric humans worked not for their own families, but for the collective. Thousands of generations of ancestors bestowed on us an instinctual longing, innate ability, and great joy in performing work that has social purpose. We are so hardwired to make work-based contributions to society that it's actually good for us. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, this isn't like the idea of job purposing. It's not something to bolt on. It's not like some modern technology, you know, that we're adding on. It's actually restoring what we have done for most of humanity. And this is a much longer conversation, but things started going sideways when we got into agriculture and, and there are very many very good things about agriculture. I'm not trying to, <laughs> to, to you know, send us back to the Stone Age or anything. But but one of the things that it cost us is that uh, beginning with with that transformation. And and you know, Aaron Hirsch knows a lot about these different uh, phases in work. One of one of your guests who I thought did a fantastic job, but at explaining them. But before agriculture you know, we would go hunting and, or gathering, and it would always be in groups. And when we brought down the woolly mammoth, everybody didn't grab a piece of the woolly mammoth and take it back to their individual hut or cave for their personal icebox to then give to their 2.4 kids and their spouse. (laughs) That was, that's a new thing, right? Um, the the woolly mammoth was a collective good for the collective celebration that night and similarly when when we built huts we didn't just build our own hut and then go like ha ha you know sit there and watch our our neighbors like suffer doing theirs we would systematically build every single hut, like everybody would help with every hut, unless you were tired or you had a sprained ankle and then you could take that day off. Um, and, and in fact, so, yeah, so work was so fulfilling because it was for the whole tribe that it didn't even, there, there was no word for it because it was the same as leisure. It was literally the, the same thing as you know, playing with your toddlers or sitting around and and playing games with your tribe members or visiting another tribe and, and you know, gossiping. Like, so, uh, so really job purposing is about restoring what is rightfully ours. And mm. we've kind of lost touch with it. 
Yeah, and I also like how you're weaving together back in the day, if you will, where that there was just a seamlessness to all this, our work and our living, that was all just part of, 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 of life in general, which is how I see it today for myself. So I think there's such a beauty that beckons us with that. Yeah. And on that note, let's grab our first break. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. We run the air with B. Bocalandro, who is the president of Bureau Works, a global consulting firm specializing in workplace purpose. She's the author of Do Good at Work, How Simple Acts of Social Purpose Drive Success and Well-Being. We've been talking a bit about what is uh, social purpose. After the break, we're going to get into job purposing itself a bit more. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us. Welcome back to Working on Purpose. By way of update, we've been working on some ways to help companies care for and support their employees as they face anxiety, stress, depression, and feeling disconnected in the ongoing pandemic and beyond. So in addition to the complement of purpose and meaning consulting and programs, the Grab Your Gusto, Wellbeing and Vitality from the Inside Out webcast learning series is now available. If you want to know about more about it, reach out to me via, via email. That's the best way to do it. It's Elise at EliseCortez.com. If you're just joining the program, my guest is B. Bocalandro. She's the author of Do Good at Work, How Simple Acts of Social Purpose Drive Success and Well-Being. She joins us today from San Clemente, California. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So just before the break, B., uh, we were starting to presence the idea. I just wanted to get this real quick in the minds of our of our listeners and viewers, this notion of the the intertwined um, uh notion of, of life and work and that what we've come to realize and of course Aaron Hurst does this beautifully is that the chances of us having a meaningful life uh, go down significantly if, if our work is not meaningful and I think it's really important to recognize so all the more reason what you and I are doing is trying to help people get access to greater meaning and fulfillment in their work because that spills over and colors the rest of their lives. Yes. Yeah. You know, one of the terms I hate is work-life balance. Me too. It's it's outdated anyway. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so if if life is the opposite of work, then isn't that saying that uh, work is death? Like, I just yeah. like it just makes no sense to me. And uh, we we know so studies find that if your job satisfaction drops by ten percent. Um, yeah, then your life satisfaction drops by 6%. So almost the full, you know, like the bulk of the full drop uh, happens in your life as well. And so I don't think it makes sense to continue under this paradigm that we seem to have accepted, I don't know, sometime in the last 100 years that it's like, okay, you know, work can be unfulfilling, it can be painful, it can like, crush my soul and somehow I'm going to make up with it, make up for it in the the remaining time that I have. Uh, So that's one reason why I 
focus on work. And I know that it's one reason you do as well. I do. That's right. We are. Work. I'm yeah. so someday going to be on your doorstep and we're going to meet and have, have, have a, gla- a couple of glasses of wine at dinner for sure, at least. So just yes. look out. The, the knock is coming. I look forward to it. <laughs> okay, good. Um, all right. So for our listeners and viewers who haven't yet read your book, as I have, I think it would be really good for us to define what you mean by job purposing. So well, how would you say that in crisp, easy terms for them? Yeah. So job purposing is any action that you take as part of your work week that is a meaningful contribution to others. So it can be to a customer or coworker or something like that, or to a societal cause. Okay. So what's beautiful about that, and let's layer in some logotherapy too while we're at it, shall we? So for you listeners and viewers who heard me talk about this, what 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 I would call that from my logotherapy practice is, is that self-transcendence. And so it's when we actually transcend ourselves in order to take care of and focus and care for others. And that's where a lot of the meaning comes from. So she's it's just a beautiful tap into that. Okay, so now, um, I, if you can, you, you talk about eight ways that social purposing benefits people. Let's not go into all of them because I want them to also read the book, but let's give them a, a smattering of a few. What would you like to share from that list? Yeah, well, because we're living in very stressful times, I think a, a really apropos one is uh, stress and even anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so this is, I mean, it's its like magic. I, I've actually tested this many times. Now I've done it on, you know, on webinars. But uh, when, when I give keynotes in person, I often start off by saying, okay, take the next five minutes, everybody in the room and do something nice for, for someone. Mm-hmm. And I give them some suggestions, like go into LinkedIn and give someone a positive recommendation or whatever. Um, and, but the, the one thing I do, it's there's a pre-test and a post-test. I ask them on a scale of one to 10, how stressed they are before they do it and after they do it. And consistently over 60%. And then I ask them to stand up. If your stress went, uh, if your stress went uh, up, stand up. Usually there's one or two people. <laughs> uh, I offer them chocolate because that's the other thing that works. <laughs> Okay, good. <laughs> At least in my, and yeah. then uh, if you if your stress stayed the same, just go ahead and stand up. And usually that's between twenty and forty percent of the room. And then if your stress went down, stand up. And you know people are hooting and hollering and high fiving each other because not only are they less stressed, but as you know, you know they just got some dopamine, they just got some oxytocin, they just got some serotonin, right? Mm-hmm. So I, you know. If you do this, if you, this being job purposing, very, okay, that was five minutes. And I don't allow them to spend more than $5. So it's five minutes, $5, just a very small thing. Our, we are so sensitive to acts of social purpose. Uh, that means, you know, doing good for others or for a societal cause that very small dosages make a big difference in our mental health. So, Yes, stress and and there's studies showing that it, it reduces anxiety too. So you know, kind of um, all the way to reducing anxiety, and they've even shown it by looking at the stress response in the brain under an MRI when people are doing an act of social purpose versus when they're just doing something fun, for example, and they know that the stress response is physiologically dampened in the first case. Mm-hmm. And, and just to do the book, and if we can then be, since your book is actually, in your subtitle, does actually say that simple how simple acts of social purpose drive 
um, success and well-being. Maybe you could speak a little bit to how um, social purposing drives success. Yeah, so there, there are more and more studies showing this. Uh, there's a very, uh, uh, one of my favorite studies uh, was done by John List and his colleagues. Uh, he's a, at con- an economist at University of Chicago. And they, 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 they went out there and they, they uh, posted a job out there. And then they, they got recruits and it's all online. So no one talks to each other. Half, a random half of the, of the people who were interested in the job were told about, and this is, it's all authentic. So they set up a company to make sure this was all authentic. So uh, a random half was told that, were told what the social purpose of the organization was. And it it, it basically amounts to helping nonprofits with better rates. Okay. And so the other half was not told that their work had anything to do with social purpose. And they found that uh, those that knew that were aware that what they were doing had some social purpose produced more than 20% more. So this is like productivity and they slacked off less too. And their work was equal quality. So even though they were working much faster, they were taking fewer breaks, their work was equal, equally good quality. Mm-hmm. And so we know, and, and you know what, if you went to, they didn't do this in this experiment, but they did in another experiment. If you went to the, to, to these workers and, and, and you tell them, hey, that's really great that your productivity was so much higher than your colleagues just because you cared about, you know, these societal causes, they would deny it. They'd be like, oh, I, I don't think so. That's not why all of this is happening subconscious. So uh, and in fact, it's so powerful, the productivity boost, that we know that economists have a fancy term for it. It's the, it's the, what is the term? Donative uh, uh, labor hypothesis, which means that they couldn't figure out for the longest time why nonprofit workers are paid less than for-profit workers for comparable jobs, like director of marketing, because in a in a market economy, that shouldn't happen. And what they realized was that essentially, if you don't have social purpose in your job, like if you're not doing any good on a day-to-day basis or week-to-week basis for others or for a societal cause, you basically have to bribe people <laughs> to do the job. <laughs> like that's how big a, a, a difference it is. So productivity is one, but uh, and I know you talk about flow. It's much easier to get into into a state of flow if you feel like what you're doing matters to someone or to a cause out there. Um, you're also less likely to, uh, of course, your satisfaction goes up. You're more likely, you're 10% more likely to get a raise and 40% more likely to get a promotion. So, and there's more, but yeah, we, <laughs> we I think go on. We're, we're convinced. I hope I, listeners and viewers reach out to me and tell me if you're not convinced. Okay. If you are do that too, but uh, <laughs> so let's get into this next piece. I, you know, to me, I think this is just so obvious, right? Otherwise I wouldn't have spent the last 20 years of my life somehow focused on meaning and then identity and then purpose and passion and now well being. Um, and consciousness. Uh, how do organizations recognize that they should be working with you? How, how do they start? How, how do they figure out? Oh my gosh, I need B and her and her team. Well, there are several paths there. 
unfortunately one of the paths but you know what <laughs> wherever it, wherever it starts i i i kind of go in there uh hoping for the best one of the paths is uh is is like organizational shame like you know we can't keep up with our with our competitors they're doing all these positive things out there um we need mm-hmm. to check off that box what's amazing is that in this last year i have seen none of that so pretty and and i i, I get approached a lot because of course i have a book out and you know I'm, I'm doing things like this so what i'm finding that the the pandemic era has done to us which of course isn't just pandemic but it's you know it's an economic crisis and it's a divisive crisis i mean we have multiple crises going on is that those who contact me from organizations to job purpose or to bring social purpose into organizations they mean it more than ever in my career and i've been doing this for 20 years i think that there's this there's this uh, like realization that it's pointless to do things that are pointless for 40 years yeah, right you know finally and this authentic desire to to do something about the suffering which is just sometimes very personal sometimes it's a little bit more distant but it's evident to everybody Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so there are many paths. So I, I, so that's one is that you have leaders going, okay, I, I see it. I, you know, I've, I've listened to you, Elise, or I, I you know, I, I, I see the, the possibility and I, I want to do good at work or to have, you know, do, do work that has purpose. Um, but sometimes it's, it, sometimes it's something very specific. So it might be something like, hey, we've been doing this um, this event every year. It's a charitable event and we loved it and people got a bounce in their step and then somehow it stopped working. So can you help us figure out what, what hmm. went wrong? Hmm. And then I spend a lot of time analyzing data. I'm a nerd kind of like you. So I... Uh, another path is where they'll say, hey, you know, we're doing this, but we don't really know if our associates love it. We don't really know if we could be doing it better. We actually don't know if it's we don't have our own evidence that the things that you cite in the book that should be happening, you know, higher productivity, higher engagement, higher retention, all those things are happening. So can you help us determine measure it and see if that's happening. So I guess there are many, many ways. <laughs> Lovely. I want The reason I wanted to bring that up, B, is I wanted our listeners and viewers to be thinking about, well, gosh, are those some of those symptoms present for us too? And, oh, yeah, ding, 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 ding. That's our, that's our issue too. So raising awareness. Again, well, what my, I'm very much committed to the path of helping to enlighten, enliven this, this space so that we can pull more people into the space of meaningful work and fulfill, fulfilling work where we've create, we create these cultures that people actually thrive in, they want to come to, um, and that business really is a force for good in the world. So I love that I get to share you with my listeners. So on that, that note, let us grab our, our last break. 
I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with B. Bocalandro, who is the president of VeraWorks, a global consulting firm specializing in workplace purpose. She is the author of Do Good at Work, How Simple Acts of Social Purpose Drive Success and Well-Being. We've been talking about job purposing. After the break, we're going to get more into the methods itself. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'm very excited to share with you, as B alluded to earlier, that my Purpose Ignited book is out. It's on Amazon now. And I really wrote it to awaken readers to their passion and purpose and help transform them into inspirational leaders who enliven the workplace and elevate the contribution of business to its stakeholders, as we were talking about before the break. Thank you for picking up your copy and for reading. We can also talk about implementing the Vitally Inspired Leadership Program for you and your teams. You can reach out to me at EliseEliseCortez.com to talk more about that. If you're just joining us, my guest is from San Clemente, California, B. Bocalandro, the president of VeraWorks, a global consulting firm specializing in workplace purpose. Her book is also summarized in a Harvard Business Review article entitled Why Your Values Belong at Work. So you can Google that and get a hold of that as well if you're not while you're waiting for the book to arrive. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So before we get into the, the actual methods, B, I really think it would be useful for our, our listeners and our viewers, and especially those who are, are more right-brained, if you could just say a little bit about your methodology, because I think what I've come to understand in the work that I do is people find meaning and purpose very gooey. Um, <laughs> and so if you could just say a little bit about your approach, your methodology to working with organizations to help them job purpose. Yeah, so... Um Actually, what I have learned is that (laughs) if you're doing good at work, anywhere you start works. That's just, it's just (laughs) as humans, we are, so in in the U.S. in particular, we get, we get stuck with all these imaginary barriers. It's like, well, I don't know what good to do because I don't know what my life's purpose is. And I think that that's a, that's a noble, uh, journey to go on to discover your life's purpose. But, and I know we're using the same word here by social purpose and your life's purpose. But what I want to say is that you can job purpose if you have no idea what your passion, what you're passionate about, if you have no idea what your, your life's purpose is. So any, so let me give you an example. So there is a, a gentleman, his name is Leroy. He works at a parking garage yeah yeah remember him from your book of course yeah (laughs) Yeah. so like how the heck do you make a meaningful contribution to others or to a societal cause well he he noticed that some of the tires were bald in the cars that are parked and he thought 
wait a second, this is dangerous. I know that this is one of the major contributors to highway fatalities out there is bald tires. So he now, well, not any longer because he got promoted, which is, and then he got another job. But what he, what he started doing was just measuring tire tread. It takes him like a few seconds on every vehicle. And then if there, if, a tire is bald. He gently tells the owner and he says that he's gotten hugs from, you know, single mother saying, oh, my God, I have a three year old and I had no idea. You know, thank you. So on a weekly basis, Leroy is reducing highway fatalities. That is job purposing. And now if he had been working somewhere else, which is the job that he actually ended up getting promoted to by a customer who was just incredibly impressed by him. Uh, he's an office manager. If And I'm sure that there he's job purposing in a different way because he has this mindset of looking at work as, as a possibility for doing something that matters. So the good news is that it doesn't really matter where you start as long as you believe it's a meaningful contribution. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, my, my method with companies is, you know, with, it, with an organization, it's different. You know, it starts with the discovery, like what's working, what's not working. Then it, it goes to the design and then it goes to the activation. But uh, but even in the discovery, one of the funnest things to do is to discover all the ways that people have been doing it. And many times the C-suite has no idea, right? Yes, yes, yes. I can um, so imagine, yes. And then sometimes it's just even just taking those to scale and go, do you realize that you have salespeople that in every sales call, they're educating um, their prospect on and this is for a health healthcare related company. They're educating the, their prospects on how to identify the signs of, of a stroke. And they're like, no, we had no idea. And then when I, when I shared who it was, they were like, those are our best sales people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and ding, so ding, 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 yeah, ding, ding, ding. So, you know, it's first discovering where the bright spots of spots are, where they're not like then using that context to design ways and then, of course, finding ways to activate them. So one, one kind of result of that process is Caesars Entertainment. They have, you know, uh, over 80 properties, uh, hotel properties. And they're throwing out soap because who uses a whole bar of soap in, in one or two nights, right? And what they decided to do was to... Uh, invite the housekeepers to collect the soap and they send it to clean the world foundation. They sterilize it and they put the soap in the hands of families all over the world who are at risk of dying of preventable diseases. Cause they don't, they, they, you know, they can't do proper hygiene. So that's an institutionalized program that was, you know, that Caesars Entertainment started and I, I, I work with them. So I have the privilege of looking at the data and the data shows that housekeepers where this now it exists everywhere, but where where this existed and we're doing this and it's voluntary. They don't have to, but almost 100 percent do uh, have much higher engagement scores. So, you know, that's a way of looking at 
everything the company has to offer, including what used to be waste, which was soap, and figuring out, is there a way to rethink this, to repurpose, to redesign, to re-something so that it it tilts towards the positive? Hmm. This is just so yummy. I, I want to add a couple of things to what we're talking about here and also distinguish for our listeners as you, as you did at the beginning of this thing here. So first, let me start with the meaning piece. So again, as from a logotherapy vantage point and a, as a longtime meaning work researcher, uh, what I want to showcase is that whole thing about meaning is we as humans, of course, have this tremendous capacity to ascribe and create meaning, which is different from the logotherapy world, by the way. It's more about discovering it there. But what I want to showcase about the meaning piece, the reason meaning is so motivating, and it is, it's our chief motivating force is because meaning is registered in the limbic brain alongside memories and emotions. And so meaning is always emotional. That's why it works. That's why it's motivating. So I want to first start with that. Um, that's why, you know, picking up the soap and realizing I can make a difference to these lives of people that I've never met. I can make a difference to the world works. Okay. So only thread that piece first. The second piece I want to throw in is the purpose piece because you do that so beautifully is you're right. I work on the, the, big core, you know, ultimate North Star piece of purpose, generally speaking, which is different than what you're talking about. So we don't, what's so great about what you're saying and giving us access to is you don't have to do that work. It is a lot of work to go and discover that real core access piece of yourself. But what I love about the work that you're doing with us, B, is that by job purposing, you can discover a way, a a social purpose, a way to be able to meaningfully contribute to the world through your talents. And that is different than going to find out what it is that is ultimately and uniquely you, totally different lens and vantage point. So that's how we distinguish the meaning and purpose part that you were talking about. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, but it's important for me that's perfect. That's beautifully said. And that's why I use the term social purpose. Mm-hmm. I get that. Because I, I just want to distinguish it from, yes, that's, that's beautiful. Perfect. I know. This is just, just yummy. So, okay. So I wanted, what you did there with, um, with the Caesars Palace um, initiative there in the soap is beautiful. Um, we've got some more time. Can you share maybe one or two other job purposing me- methods or stories that will help us understand? Yeah. So I have, uh, a dozen methods in the book. The, the the first one is whatever you're doing, you keep doing it, but you tilt it. You tilt it towards the positive. And so Leroy is an example of that. And, and I want to start with that one because it's the most powerful one because it, it, usually you can take it to scale. I mean, you know, he does dozens or hundreds of cars a day because it's it's part of his core task. But I will say that Again, there are, it's actually a baker's dozen, so there's 13. So there are, there are 12 other ways of doing, because people get stuck. It's like, well, all I'm doing is I'm on a spreadsheet. How am I supposed to job purpose that? There's probably a way, but if you can't find it, don't worry, because it, you don't have to uh, do it that way. There's uh, many other ways. So let me, let me share a different way. So this is, uh, you know, the back cover of my book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if you can see there, it says Habitat for Humanity. Yes. Right mm-hmm. Right next to Morgan James Publishing, my publisher who I love. So I'm happy to give them this, <laughs> this <laughs> commercial. Uh, and so this method is give space to a cause. And so 
you know, here is space, uh, you know, it's actually very, very valuable real estate in this case on the back cover of a book. And this was them. It was not me. This was uh, Morgan James. One of the reasons I chose them, frankly, because they did it on the letterhead <laughs> um, as well. So I saw that and they're like, hey, is there a way we can use this space for a cause? And that's one way to use space for a cause. A totally different way is how an Ikea store in Italy does it, where they're like, hey, there are these stray dogs out there. We have these beautiful living rooms. Wouldn't they be, wouldn't these these dogs be happy there and our employees are happy to take care of them and our customers are delighted by them. So basically their, their Ikea store doubles as, you know, a, a dog sanctuary. And that's another way to use space for a cause. So, um, so that's two methods, right? So tilt whatever you're doing to the positive and sometimes tilting what you're doing to the positive can be something very small. So, Let's say that you're 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 purchasing, um, you know, whatever pens or something. You can go, hey, is there a way I could do this that makes a meaningful contribution out there? And it's like, well, yeah. Let me just see if there's a black-owned business that manufactures pens, or let me just see if there's there's pens that don't, uh, you know, end up being plastic in the ocean that somehow they figured that out uh, or maybe maybe made out of bamboo. So whatever you're doing, is there a way to do it uh, differently? So the two methods and then I'll, I'll share, um, I'll share one more because it's so accessible and it's so powerful and it's just, what if you just decide to be kinder than you have to be? You know, I love that. <laughs> you know, like, someone who practices random acts of kindness, I yeah, love that. It makes a huge difference. And it's just like, you know what? I, I'm you can even like go into a meeting and go, I'm just gonna make sure that I say something kind to all three people in the meeting. And mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah. Uh, and, it, you know, pretty much all of us have that opportunity, if not in a meeting, if not in person or if not over Zoom, over email, over text, over social media, like e even if it's just that, that's a meaningful yeah. contribution to, to, to the other person. It really is. And it's so easy. And it's so easy to make someone's day. I do it every single day. It's just part of my thing. I love it. Um, you already mentioned this with the back of your book, and I didn't even think about that. But I did want to see if you could just share with us what you, your own story about job purposing. How do you practice social purpose in your work beyond what you shared with the Habitat for Humanity? There's something else you could dig up. Right. Well, I, I mean, I'm fortunate because I have crafted a job where it's all job purpose. I mean, right. It's, it's all yummy and meaningful everywhere you go. It is. But, <laughs> but I will say, um, I, I will say, and so, you know, I get into flow really easily. I love my job. Uh, you know, that's not to say there are days that I want to pull my, that there aren't days that I want to pull my, my hair out. There are. Um, but because I'm, <laughs> so one of the things I do is I, you know, I try to get simple ideas out there for people to job purpose. And I, you know, I, I'm like a researcher at heart, you know, yeah, I mean, me and I do research as well. Yep. I mean, I've written all these research reports, uh, but so I always test them first. So for example, uh, like my last blog post was 
the suggestion was, and, and it was uh, it was taken from Dr. Angela Damery, who, who, who said this uh, to me. And so I just kind of plagiarized it and shared it with others. But basically, it's like, what if every morning you ask yourself, who am I going to pleasantly surprise today? You know? <laughs> and, love it. and so, of course, I tried it for a week before I put it up there just to make sure it worked and what the wording was and stuff. So the advantage of what I'm doing, which is like I'm always testing things, is that on any given week, I'm testing something different, um, some different way of job purposing. But and, and you know, that's kind of where I've ended up. And even with my with my customers and with my clients, I actually tell them, you know, I'm not going to charge you for this, but whatever job purposing we come up with, it's like, I want to experience it with your team members. And so, you know, let's find a way to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I have like a really vast menu of job purposing that goes on all the time. Mm -hmm. But, um, but one thing, you know, you asked about the journey and, uh, We'll have, yeah, to, I won't, we'll have to wrap up soon here, Biso, because okay. I want to be sure. Well, the only thing I want to say, I, I didn't want to go into the journey because I figured. <laughs> next, <laughs> I kinda, call. <laughs> next call. Next call. Next call. No, but what I want to say is that it's perfectly normal to fall out of it and mm-hmm. then have to re- find it again. So even with the advice of my dad at six years old, I just want to tell <laughs> your listeners, um, I had a lot of help early on on this. And I, I have spent months and years like totally not job purposing, not feeling fulfilled, not not feeling ignited by purpose, you know, my productivity down. And so, you know, you just come back to it. Yeah, I love that. Well, we did it, B. We got all the way to the end of the show so quickly. How fast it evaporated. I loved having you as a guest. Thank you so much for finding me, for creating this book, for being you, and sharing your your just beautiful wisdom and soul with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elise, for your work. Yeah. Thank Thank you. you. Listeners and viewers, if you want to learn more about B. Bocalandro, uh, her her book, Do Good at Work, or the work she and her team do at VeraWorks, the best way to start is just go to her website of dogoodatwork.com. Again, it's dogoodatwork.com. And thanks again to our partnering sponsor, WorkProud, which helps companies build a platform where your workforce receives meaningful feedback. And thanks for their work from people across the company. Last week, you met, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via, via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Steve Rush from London talking about his book, Leadership Cake, which describes his methodology for building effective leaders. Next week, we'll be on the air with Jane Firth and Dr. Andrea Zenz talking about their newly released book, Grit, Grace, and Gravitas, the three keys to transforming leadership, presence, and impact. See you there. Remember that works at least a third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.